and welcome to The Neighbor Next Door, a podcast about the power and importance of neighboring. I'm your host, Matthew Johnson, and as usual, I am joined on the virtual front porch by my colleague in neighboring, Adam Barlow Thompson. Hey, good neighbors. Welcome to the podcast this week. Um, so this week, we've got a special guest for you. Uh, we got an email a couple weeks ago from one of our former interns and she was she emailed us and as as was true when she worked for us she she thought of a better idea than we had and wanted to make sure that we could implement it and so she came up with a plan and then just started doing it and so um and and not only that she also is sitting on her, her actual front porch right now. Yeah. And so I want to welcome to the podcast, Claire Brandstetter. Hi, Claire. Say hi. Hi, Adam. Thank you so much for that introduction. Oh, I'm um, not done yet. This introduction oh, okay. is just getting started, Claire. <laughs> wow. I feel like you are talking me up here. Let's like keep the bar low so that <laughs> listeners so, aren't disappointed. <laughs> I mean, so, if they're listening to our podcast, the bar is low. So you're fine. <laughs> there's an ongoing like grudge in my house with my wife who constantly is mad at, at Matt and I because we talk about being on the front porch all the time, but then we never are on the front porch. And so I'm already feeling a little defensive about how you're just like actually gonna go do that. And now she's gonna hear the episode and, and tell me, see, I knew you could have done it all along. Yep. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on all three by three feet of my front porch, right now. <laughs> but I'm trying. <laughs> but we are excited to have Claire here today. She wanted to talk to us about how to neighbor when there is language differences. And Claire's really a great person for that because she is she speaks multiple languages and she worked for us reaching out to Spanish speaking people in our neighborhood. She currently works at a refugee resettlement uh, organization and works with lots of folks who speak languages that I'm guessing, assuming that you don't speak all the languages that of the people you work with, right? No, I do not. I wish I did. But. Yeah. Yeah. And so she's going to give us some tips on like, not only how not so the tips will be better than just like, go you're, you don't have to go learn a new language, I'm hoping because if that's the case, <laughs> I'm pretty sure I'm screwed. So, so Claire, why don't you give us an introduction? What do you think? What do you think we are going to talk about here today? Because you're kind of in charge of this podcast. at this point. Sure, sure, sure. Don't worry. This is uh, not a commercial for Duolingo. I'm trying to avoid that. Um, so my thought process is um, neighboring is already kind of um, out of our comfort zone to begin with. And then when you add that extra layer of we don't speak the same language, I think it's easier to almost just give up um, and say, oh, well, I'll just wave or maybe ignore that person. Um, but my experiences of not being able to speak <laughs> the same language as people or having very limited overlap in language have really taught me that there are ways to communicate. And so I just wanted to share those today, um, whether you have, um, you know, you only speak one language and the person that you're trying to speak to only speaks one language, 
or if you have a little bit of a language and you, you know, want to use it, but you've never quite uh, had the opportunity or felt like it was, you know, gotten the guts up to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Can I, can I just interrupt and say now how excited I am? I mean, this is so real. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. And, and it's, yeah. I mean, the obstacle is real. The awkwardness is real. And I've not, I mean, in our years of working at this, like I have not been able to find a, a workaround. I know. Because I, You've described so perfectly, really, like, like actual situations that we've experienced with kind of like more often than I'm willing to admit. Yeah. And this is something that, you know, immigration happens in every major city. Um, it's all across the U.S. So it's not just something we struggle with here in Wichita. This is literally a global neighboring issue, if you will. Right. Um, and I guess, so the first thing I want to say is when I started interning with um, Soci Life, um, and they asked me to help reach out to people who spoke Spanish, I was terrified. Um, and I had just spent six months in Costa Rica, and all I was doing was trying to speak Spanish. Um, so I spoke it pretty well, and I was still, like, really uh, anxious about it. But I want to call that out in both, like, you all who are trying to be intentional about neighboring, and every single person who moves here that doesn't speak English well or at all, they're also feeling those feelings mm. of anxiety whenever they come up against a situation where it's um, a different language. Let me kind of explain more what I mean and more what Adam means when he says I speak several languages. So I like to tell people my English is like a Ferrari. It's fast and it's beautiful. Mm. My Spanish is like my Honda CRV. It's trusty and it'll get the job done. Mm. Um, I also speak like a little bit of Kiswahili, which is a language from Eastern Africa, but that's more like a scooter. Like <laughs> we're not going anywhere fast. Like, I know some words and some, like, basic grammar, but um, I would never, like, offer to interpret for anyone with confidence. Yeah. Okay, um, so Matt, now you tell us what your languages are. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, my, uh, my English is like a rusted out bicycle with two flat tires. Uh, uh, um, <laughs> Perfect. How about you, Adam? What, what are your languages? <laughs> I was gonna say I got I my English is like like a '94 Honda Civic. Um, you mean you know? the one with the with no muffler? Yeah, yeah, it's super loud and and show, it's like it's more obnoxious than than it is helpful. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, but that's good. Yeah, good compare. I like that comparison. That's a helpful way of understanding what it means yeah. to speak many so languages. I I think the first conception that people have is when going into a bilingual situation, if they have some language, is that, you know, it has to be done perfectly. Um, but I want to say that if you do have some Spanish or some French, um, 
I'm giving you permission to make mistakes, to make, uh, to fail on this and to be nervous when you're using it. Um, because what I've found um, through interning at SociLife and working with um, refugees is that even when you have a little bit of a language and you speak it to someone, generally their response is this huge smile and to tell you how good you are at speaking their language. Mm. And you're like, no, 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 I really, I really don't. But just the fact of trying like builds this immediate bridge and this excitement between people. And I, I cannot express to you how bad I sound when I speak Swahili. Like the scooter just <laughs> doesn't explain. I'm destroying grammar. I'm not at all matching like, you know, the noun classes or like the tenses. But somehow people seem to get what I'm saying when we're at the grocery store and we're trying to find milk. I'm like, mm-hmm. maziwa, <laughs> papa, <laughs> that means milk over there. Um, and they're like, oh, okay. And it almost gives, when you're not afraid to make mistakes, it opens up this corridor of mm. they can also try out some English and not be afraid to make mistakes. Mm. Wow. Awesome. So there's an element of vulner, like, like element of vulnerability, right? In being able that then, yeah, makes it, makes it okay. Like, okay, we can learn together. Um, and I think the hardest part is not actually in our heads. We have it. The language is the hardest part. No, mm. the hardest part is being willing to be vulnerable and to make mistakes in front of people that we don't necessarily know that well. Damn, Claire. That is a front porch virtual mic drop right there. <laughs> <laughs> are some concrete ways where you can be conscious of your speech and how you're speaking in English if you're talking to someone who is still learning the language. So I, when I was in Costa Rica, um, I used to <laughs> get offended because I felt like people would look at me like, oh, you're not very intelligent if I couldn't speak the language. And I was like, no. It's not that I'm stupid. It's just that I don't speak your language. Um, And so taking that back here and working with other people, I always strive to like keep my voice graceful and, um, you know, open and not let those notes of annoyance uh, creep into it Um, or like looking down on someone because if they're here and they're trying to speak another language, they might already be smarter than you. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, I mean, that is so, I'm really glad you named that because there is, there is a default mechanism, I feel like in our brains that it's like, if the person, if they're not able to communicate and like, we just don't think about the fact that like, where, like they're coming from a place where maybe they were a physician or a pastor or like a denominational leader, right? Like we can, we kind of overlook like this whole life that they've lived and all this knowledge that they have just because right. they're not 
strong in English. Um, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. So really separating that. That is so great. Yeah. And along with that, I think for some reason, our default when someone isn't understanding us is to get louder and talk bigger. Um, if they didn't understand the word when you were saying in normal volume, they're still not going to understand it when you're yelling it. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, that's really, that's also good because it, Claire's really giving like, um, uh, a course and also in like how to not be a terrible white person in America right now. And so I hope, I hope people are listening. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think one thing that does work, however, is leaving more pauses in your sentences, because when you're first learning a language, you need that time and space in order for the words to process through. Um, which is not necessarily the same thing as talking slower. Mm. Sometimes when you say the words like this, it's just annoying and it's not actually helpful. <laughs> not that that's always the truth. Sometimes talking slower can be helpful when you're working with the language barrier. Um, but I would say just be aware with that one, that it's one of the ways you can make someone feel less intelligent if right. they don't actually need you to talk slower, if they need you to put pauses. Um, the other thing I think people don't realize or don't think about when they're speaking to someone with another language is that you want to use the most common and basic words for things. Um, so rather than, you know, talking about sprinting, you would want to use the word run. Mm. Or watch out for colloquial words. Like my family always talks about snarfing, like eating food really fast. Uh, yeah. um, those can get you into trouble when you're trying to communicate across language barriers. Right. So does that make sense? I mean, yeah, it makes sense because I think it's for those people who already have some language, incredible, easy, simple steps to overcome both the technical pieces and the like I guess emotional pieces that you have to experience doing that so now Claire I need I need help that will actually help me though because uh -huh. I don't know any Spanish or yeah. at all and I have my neighborhood like my son's school more than like 50% of the homes are Spanish-speaking homes mm -hmm. and it's you know I go to the playground to pick up my kid and I just have to like wave and not say anything and i'm curious what i should do yeah well i know we're all waiting for the star trek moment when we can just speak into a device and it will spit out the language that we want and you're gonna you've gonna you've done it you've created that for us um it exists it's called google translate <gasps> <laughs> what? Yes. and i know we all have this really poor taste in our mouth from Google Translate when we tried to use it on our Spanish homework in high school and got totally busted because it was terrible. Um, let me say that it's come a long way since then. <laughs> mm. So let's go ahead. You have the app on your phone, Adam? Yeah, you made me download it before we started did, this podcast. I did, I <laughs> did. Um, Okay, go ahead and pull up your Google Translate app for me. Okay, I'm going from English to Spanish right now. Yes, and let me take mine out of 
Kenya Wanda. My main worry here is I'm going to have to spell Spanish words. No. So we're not going to type at all. <gasps> so do you see kind of at the bottom where it says camera, handwriting, conversation, and voice? I got camera, conversation, and transcribe. Okay. Conversation is the one I want. So. Okay. Allow. Oh, yep. Okay. Oh my gosh. This is amazing. It just translated what I said into Spanish. Yeah. Verb, uh, it typed it out, right? Yeah. I said, oh my gosh, this is amazing. And it said, oh Dios mío, esto es asambaso. <laughs> is that terrible? Did I just butcher Spanish? Um, the words were correct. The, the <laughs> accent could use a little bit of tweaking, but I want to like applaud you for trying because trying with a terrible accent is better than deciding not to speak it at all. So. And if I hit this little speaker button, will it read it for me? Yes. Let me try. Oh, Dios mío, esto es asombroso. That is yeah. amazing. So it gets even cooler. So on the conversation one, I'm going to hold down the English button and it's going to translate it into Spanish and it's going to speak it without translating it into text first, okay? Oh my God. Hi, my name's Claire. <laughs> it's so amazing. Yeah. Oh, um, it, just, it keeps translating like crazy. My thing is just like everything I'm saying, it's translating right now. <laughs> it's so amazing. It is. It's um, a lot of my clients who are from the Congo speak French. Um, and so I can use this if they speak French um, to kind of have a semi-regular conversation. Um, and my guess is a lot of people who are in a community where they don't speak the native language already know about this, don't they? Yep. Yeah, again, they're smarter than we are. <laughs> and again, there's like a level of vulnerability with your neighbor being willing to do this and just like I think you mentioned earlier, I could imagine it opening up a that that conversation and that willingness opening up an actual like uh, place to connect that wouldn't be there otherwise. Yeah, definitely. That's um, awesome. And you know, there's all the chance. There's always a chance that they'll like look at you funny, um, but there's also the chance that you'll start a really great relationship that you never would have gotten the opportunity. Um, that's, that's awesome so like when I was at Sociolife I met that family at a garage sale um, that only spoke Spanish and that turned into one day Catherine and I were over there making this delicious El Salvadorian dish called a pupusa which is like fried cheese and beans inside of this thick tortilla it's totally delicious <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you can tell that I'm motivated by food I'm, I think I'm trying to tell our listeners, if you want amazing natural cultural food, you got to go use <laughs> your language app. That's perfect. That's so good. That's awesome. That's great, Claire. Thank you for sharing this stuff with us. 
Is there yeah. more that we should know before we wrap up? Um, with Google Translate, uh, French, Spanish, and English work really well. When you try to use some of the minor languages, it gets a little funky for the conversation one. Mm -hmm. um, but the uh, speaking ones work pretty well for the major languages. Um, Google Translate, you can also um, translate text with it by literally holding your camera over the text that you want to translate and it will turn it into English or whatever language you want. Wow. Um, so I think that's another practical tip that you could use for, um, you know, the text. That's awesome. Um, yeah, and then the last thing I'll say is when it comes to communication, um, it's not always just the words that can cause us to misunderstand each other. Sometimes it's the culture. Hmm. And if you haven't gotten the opportunity yet to go somewhere that has a very different culture from you, let me just say that that other places do things in different ways that are totally unexpected. So one of the things I have to deal with a lot working with refugees is that the U.S. is a very time-oriented culture. Um, and when we have an appointment at nine o'clock, it's expected that you be there at nine o'clock. In other cultures, this really isn't how it works. And so if you have an appointment at nine o'clock, like maybe 9.30 or 10 is also fine. Um, and that can cause a lot of friction between um, neighbors who may think that they're having dinner at a certain time and mm. your neighbor doesn't show up. Um, but that's a different, that's my example of a different cultural thing that you would not expect, but does affect our communication here in the U.S. Yes. Um, and so you may not know what those are when you're first meeting someone that's from another place, uh, but you may find out later. So I would just say, like, have grace if something isn't communicating well, because there's probably a cultural thing that you just don't know is there. Right. Um, so my first two weeks in Costa Rica, I didn't realize that prolonged eye contact communicated, I am into you. Because <laughs> um, here, eye contact is just like, I'm listening, I'm respectful. So I was on the bus and oh, a stranger no. sat next to me and we made eye contact. And all of a sudden he kept getting closer and more friendly. And I would just was completely lost about what was going on or why. And so I got off the bus. Um, <laughs> and about two days later, um, one of our professors at the university who is kind of teaching us different cultural things mentioned that after about three or four seconds of eye contact, you want to briefly break it or you would unintentionally be communicating, hey, baby. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, wow. I'm really glad I have people here who are helping me learn the ways of the culture. Yeah. Um, so you may unintentionally be the person who's keeping someone from, or s teaching someone else the ins and out of the US culture. Like this is the way we do things here. Mm -hmm. And it might be completely foreign mm, to someone great. else. Yeah. So th there's an element of hospitality in that then. If we can, overcome our own fear 
of of being vulnerable and communicating like then we, we can help someone i mean and i i want to i want to articulate this well though because there's there's both like helping someone to feel comfortable with the way american culture works so that they can navigate that but also doing so in a way that respects like that it's not the only way to do things yes yeah. thank you for mentioning that matt that's really important in resettlement terms, we use the word, we want to go for integration rather than assimilation. Assimilation being like, you need to change, you need to do things like me, and integration being like, let's find a way where we can blend together um, our differences so that they work well. That's awesome. Wow. Yeah. So good. This has been really helpful. Thank you, Claire, because you've given us a lot of extra tools to then be neighbors when we have language barriers. And we've not covered that at all. And so it's really helpful to have that in our kind of repertoire, which is a word I would not use if I Way was trying- Way to rev up your Ferrari there, Adam. <laughs> that would be the, oh, I thought you were talking about the lawnmower that's going down the street. Sorry. Oh. Claire's, Claire's giving us all the front porch noises. It's really great. It is great. <laughs> well, yeah, thank you so much, uh, Matt and Adam, for giving me the chance to come on and share what I've learned. I really appreciate it. Yeah, awesome. Uh, yeah, no, the, the, the debt is ours. We owe you yeah. a lot for this. This is fantastic. Absolutely. All right, friends, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of The Neighbor Next Door. Uh, once again, thanks to Claire for her knowledge and insight and her care and commitment um, and what she's brought with us, brought to us today. It's fantastic. I uh, also want to give a shout out to Christopher Swanson for his work in editing this podcast every week and doing a great job at it. And uh, yeah, and stay tuned for the next episode. Until next time, happy neighboring. Have fun meeting your neighbors. Diviértete conociendo a tus vecinos. Buen suerte conectar con sus vecinos. Uh -huh. So good. <laughs>